We are going to continue talking about this amazing topic of transformation. It isn't complicated, but I think because we have so many different ideas from so many people and denominations and churches about what transformation is, that's what makes it complicated. So we're going to go from the Word today and study the Word so that you can see a path and I can see a path that is as powerful as salvation itself. You weren't born again to stay the same. The whole purpose of you being born again, number one, was to make it to heaven. Number two, to transform so that you can walk like Jesus on this earth. Not just the preachers, pastors, apostles, but you and everyone else, every believer. There is a path, it's called transformation, that you can walk on that will get you as surely as you're saved to the place where you're walking as Jesus is. Now, you may look at yourself and say, I can't see it. I'm, I'm too far away. I, can't, I don't even think like Jesus. How would I ever get there? Well, this is the path. This is the power of transformation. And because there's so many opinions about what it's like to be a Christian, what we're supposed to do as a Christian, how you're supposed to live your life, Every church, every denomination has a a slightly different version of how you are to live your life for God. Because of that, these words, you cannot really prove what it is. Everyone has a right to their opinion. And so in this uh, series, I'm simply stating my opinion of what I believe transformation is. Now, I'll fight you over it. I do believe it to all my heart. I'm just saying I don't disregard everyone else's opinion. I don't think this is the only one, but for me, this is the only one. This is the proper interpretation of what transformation is. And this why this series is going to take a while and it's so important. To me, I believe this may be my most important teaching that I ever get to do. And as I'm blabbing on here, go to Romans chapter 12, our core verses. Romans 12, and we'll start in verse 1 and verse 2. Now, every preacher, every church, every denomination, as long as they believe in salvation through faith in Christ, they are doing an amazing work. And God bless them for bringing people into the kingdom. This message of transformation is more to help us to grow further into our calling, further into the promises of God. But we're not adding any more to really the work of God, which is, to see as many people come to the kingdom of God and make it to heaven as possible through salvation in Jesus Christ. So I'm talking here about saved people. Verse 1, Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So we've been stuck on verse 1, and before we can really handle verse 2, but we'll get there, I promise. Uh, Not today, though. Today we're staying in verse 1. That our bodies, he doesn't say present ourselves as holy. He says to present your bodies a living sacrifice holy. So it takes your body and separates it from you. And these are some of the thinking that I want you to just simply see. Because a lot of these verses we kind of understand and we, we go over them and run over them. And they're good. But there's more details, and these details are important, especially if you want to see why transformation is so important. So we're to present our bodies 
as holy, as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. So he's not asking too much of us to do this. But this is something that is not in the Old Testament holiness is, but not this language. So this is a language that Paul had to receive from God to bring and birth it into the church. So Paul is writing this Romans to the Christians in Rome. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, perfect will of God. So he then leads us into this process called transformation, saying don't be conformed. And you know my argument from the last videos that too much of the church is trying to conform a path of conformity. They're trying to conform their body, their life, into acting like a Christian instead of going through transformation into what a Christian is like. So we're going to get into verse 2 at another video. Today we're staying on verse 1. Present your bodies. Now let's go over to chapter 13, verse 8, 9, and 10. Chapter 13, verse 8, 9, and 10. Once I understood what I'm teaching you today, it's opened up so much to the Bible to me. So much understanding, so many scriptures begin to make sense. The little details that we don't normally skip over. I don't have to skip over them anymore because of this understanding of what transformation is. Again, our bodies are to be presented as a living sacrifice holy. Now let's look over in Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. 11, 12, 13, and 14. And do this knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent. Now he's talking to a group that are born again. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore... Time's coming close. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now, cast off the work of darkness, put on the armor of light. This is a a mandate for us that we're to cast off the works of darkness. But if you're born again, you have a nature that is righteous. So what works of darkness is he talking about? Because he's obviously saying that we have to cast off works of darkness. And then it says, and let us put on the armor of light. So that gives you an idea where that armor comes from. It comes from the light of the new nature in you. But you still have to put it on because it's not on automatically. We're going to learn all this in transformation when I get to verse 2. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in reverie or drunkenness, nor in lewdness and lust, not in strife or envy. So let's not walk like that. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So we're to put on Jesus. Now I thought you're born again. Why are you not have Jesus? Don't we have Jesus on already? Well, this language is important because it's telling you that salvation was the beginning on this earth for you to walk. It does get you to heaven. But it's also for you to walk out of the works of darkness and to put on 
the armor of light, or also to put on Jesus Christ. So that tells us that we're to reach in into our new nature and bring forward those attributes of Jesus into our life to where that's who we are. We are the only representative of Christ on the earth. You know, I heard it said the best way, I think, that you're probably the only Jesus that some people will ever know. You. You who are a Christian, who say you're Christ-like. And I'm not picking on you. I'm picking on me too. You who are a representative of Christ may be the only Jesus that people know. Because if you're a representative of Christ, a Christian, Christ-like, then you display the attributes of Christ to people all around you. And unfortunately, too many Christians are living in the flesh, trying to serve God and their natural man. And they end up causing harm because they're not acting like Jesus does. They're Christian, and they wear it like a tag, I'm going to heaven. But they don't have the attributes of love and holiness that Jesus did. And that's the end of our transformation on this earth. We don't have to wait till heaven to where we actually look like Christ, act like Christ, respond like Christ, walk like Christ, minister like Christ, because we are transformed into who He has made us by our nature. Transformation is a process. Now I'm going to go through some of the books of Paul, and we're going to just see a theme to each church, to each different city, to different cultures. But to each culture that Paul wrote in each book, every book that Paul wrote is to a different group, uh, basically, and every group had their own culture. And so when you see a theme run through all that his messages, you begin to see that this might be important. This might be, you know, his core message or along the way of his core message. So I'm going to start now to Galatians chapter 5. And if you're not a big Bible reader type of person where you just like to hear preaching and stories, be patient with me today because the Word is where we get the foundation and the, the truth that we can bring forward from the Word. You know, we don't want to cherry-pick a verse here to a verse there to prove our opinion. We want our opinions to be changed by the truth in the Word. So I'm, I'm taking time to lay that foundation today. And so please just stay with me if you're not a big Bible reader. Nothing wrong with that, but you want to get your truth from the understanding of the Word. So I'm in Galatians chapter 5, Galatians 5, 16 through 26. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So in context, I'm just going to tell you, the walk in the Spirit is not hearing the Holy Ghost. A lot of people want to, they claim walking in the Spirit is, I'm walking down to the store, and the Holy Ghost tells me to go, minister to that person. That's being used by the Holy Ghost. Walking in the Spirit is developing the maturing of your inner man. But here he's talking about a a contradiction. Black versus white, tall versus short, large versus small. There, there's a things that are contrary. And I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and they are contrary to one another, 
So there is a battle that's going on here between the spirit and the flesh. Now, the word flesh in Scripture can mean the nature of sin, or it can mean your outward body. And the word spirit can mean Holy Spirit. It can mean the new nature. It can mean your inner man. It can mean even mean a demonic spirit. So we want to find the context of these words so we can understand what on earth is he saying. Because again, many of these verses are taught, but they're, they're not taught by some in context. And so that means they lose his power. And so when I say walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of your flesh. It tells you the way to not fulfill the lust of your flesh is to walk in the spirit. And the only way you're going to walk in the spirit is if you're born again. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. So that tells us here there is a fight going on between the flesh and the spirit. So what flesh is he talking about? Is he talking a war inside of you between the nature of sin that you got from Adam or the nature of light that you got from God? Well, that's impossible because you don't have two natures. You only have one. And the nature of sin was put away and put to death when you received the nature of light. So you only have one nature, one spirit, one nature called the new nature. And we know it's not the Holy Spirit against the flesh because you would lose instantly if that were ever the case. Thank God that's not the case that we have to, the Holy Ghost fighting our flesh because we would instantly be in heaven, hopefully. So there is a fight here and it's between your outward man, your body, and your inward man. Your inward man, which is alive because you're born again by the new nature, now is at war with the outward man. So there is a battle between the two. And this is for every believer, the fight between the inner man and the outward man. See, when it says to take your body and make it a a living sacrifice, he's not talking about self-harm or hurting yourself. You know, around Easter time, sometimes you'll see videos in different countries where they put themselves on the cross and they have their friends nail them to a cross, or they crawl along the road with stones and glass and cut themselves because they're trying to hurt themselves to please God. Well, that is nothing to do with the New Testament. That's just religion gone crazy. When we make our body a living sacrifice, it's not to harm our body. It's to go to the root of our emotions, of our thinking, which is in the flesh, In your body, you have a source of light and life from your inner body, but your outer body is a source of darkness, and and they're so close. It's like trench warfare. This battle here between the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and it says they're contrary to one another. I'm going to pause here and go over the whole picture so we can see what's going on here. Is that Adam was created as a seed for the human race. And when he sinned, he became dark. Now, he was designed to be in both worlds, both realms, the spiritual realm and the natural realm at the same time. So he had a body that was both connected to the spiritual realm and the natural realm. So he had access to the spirit, to see in the spirit, to feel in the, in the spirit, to think from the spirit, by his inner man. His outward man, and they're both connected, is what connected him to the outward world. And so he can see, smell, touch, all those things 
in the natural, but he could also see and feel from the spiritual. And when he sinned, he became dark, and he lost his ability to replenish the earth with children of God. He then replenished the earth with children born with the nature of sin. So even though we have a nature of sin, we're still from that original design where we have a spiritual body and an outward body, and they're connected. That means that I have what we call the soul, the mind, will, and emotions. I have a source of thoughts from my natural carnal mind. I have a source of feelings, emotions from the natural part of me. We'll call that the heart just for it makes sense. So I have a natural brain and a natural heart. I have emotions. So that part, I have a source of that. My soul, mind, will, and emotions is in the natural body, but it's also in the spiritual body. I also have a source of thinking from the spiritual mind and a source of feeling, emotions from the inner body and a source of desire and direction. The inner man, wants, once it's born again, wants to serve God, wants holiness, wants God's will. The outward body, which I'm still wearing, has desires too. And it has plans and thoughts and uh, emotions that usually are contradictory to the inner man. And that's why you have a fight. So many Christians who don't understand, and I didn't understand. I got born again, and but so many Christians, they, they come and say, come fast and become a new creation. They come, they say, Jesus, take my life, I'm yours. They feel great, the anointing comes, they're born again. A week later, they're back in the pastor's office, pastor. I thought I was born again. I thought you said that when I asked Jesus in my heart, my life would change. And for a week it did. I felt great. I was free from all these things. And and it was wonderful to read the Bible. But all of a sudden, after a week or two weeks, I find those old desires are still there. Some of those old desires to do things that I know are contrary to the Bible, they're still there. Maybe I wasn't born again. No, you were born again. But in the process of being born again, God could not fix you instantly. He had to rescue your inner man, the spiritual part of you, with the new nature. But he had to leave the natural part of you to rot off of you. He couldn't fix it. And that's why you still have desires for sin or insecurity or fear or envy. There's a whole list that all of us fight because the natural man is fighting against the spiritual man. You didn't have that before you were born again because you were all complete, whole, in darkness because the nature was dark. But the nature came into you and brought you to life, the inner man. Now you have a new nature, you have an inner body, and they are born again in their light and love, desire those things, but you also are wearing an outward body. So you have access to intellect from the natural world, the natural mind that you're wearing, the natural brain you have, or you also have access to spiritual intellect that comes from God. Because now that you're born again, your inner brain, your inner man can understand the deep things of God. You also have access to emotions from the natural, which are pretend emotions, even the good. So many believers, are trying, their idea of serving God is I take the bad emotions the bad desires, and I put them down. And I amplify the good emotions. But see, those emotions, even though they're good, 
are not good enough because they come from your natural man. They're not good enough. The love from the natural man is not the same as the love of God. It's not even the same world of the universe of the love of God. It's a cheap imitation. The peace you can source from your natural man is a cheap imitation of the real peace you can get from your inner man. And so you have an inner man now that's alive, but it is needs to be rebuilt in the knowledge of God. Because all the knowledge it had was darkness until you were born again. And now you have to rebuild it. So there's an instant war, an instant battle that every Christian has the moment they're born again. And it is a fight between the inner man, the inner body, and the outward body. And you get to decide who grows and who dies. And so you have to decide that pretty much every day. And this is the fight that he's talking about, the inner man Versus the outward man. This is the fight. I thought I was free once I was born again. You were free. The nature set you free. But it didn't release you from having to enforce that freedom onto the natural flesh that you're wearing. That is part of the process of faith. That I believe that I'm a child of God. So therefore I'm going to resist these desires and thoughts and emotions that are coming from my natural man. This is trench warfare, the worst kind. It's personal. It's in your head. No one can hear you fight some of the things you fight, the arguments you have in your head, the thinking, what's God, what's not God? Is this good? Is this good enough? What's wrong? It's like trench warfare. It's not like you get to just shoot it. And this is why I get a little frustrated with preachers who used to tell me, you just walk it out. You got it all. Because it was like, are you in my head? I've tried that, and I still have this intense war every day, and some days I win, some days I don't. And so I begin to question, maybe I'm just a weak, a weakling, a failure. I'm just the bad Christian in the family. I'm the the gray sheep, I guess, in the family of God. But if you talk around, you find out that everyone has the same battle. Even the preachers do. They just sometimes don't acknowledge it. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. They're contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. And what that means is you don't have a law now to tell you how to go to God. It's in your nature. Your nature is the law that you follow. Your nature will tell you to pursue holiness. You don't need an external person, a preacher, a sign, a word of God to say, hey, you should quit this, you should stop that. Because it's in your nature. You don't need a law on the outside because the law is written in your heart, in the inside of you, if you're born again. Now he says, now the works of the flesh are evident. So these are things, uh, some form or another, that can come out of the desires of your outward body. That's who the battle is with. That's who the fight is with against the outward body. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. They are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness. I'm reading from the New King James here. Lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions. Now, we can understand some of these are really bad. Adultery is bad. Hatred is bad. Idolatry is pretty bad. Sorcery, yeah, get them. But then he goes into uncleanliness, lewdness, uh, contentions, jealousies. I've had problems where I've been jealous of someone for a little bit. 
outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions. Is he talking about me now all of a sudden? Dissensions, heresies, envy, murder. Well, you know, I haven't murdered anyone. I haven't shot anyone or knifed anyone. But, you know, Jesus said we're murderers if we hate someone in our heart. Murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just I also told you in time past. Now you have to take that whole list that he has. In that whole list, he says that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, you may find some form of this list in your life. And you may think, well, my Lord, I'm not saved. I'm not going to have the kingdom of God. Now we have to be careful because we can't just pick and cherry pick and say, well, murderers aren't going to go to heaven. That's an easy one. Haters, like maybe um, racism, maybe, uh, oh, idolatries or sorceries. I can see them not going to heaven. But, you know, how about some of these other ones? Jealousies. That's in the same list. So you can't pick one out, not the other. So anyone who has these will not see the kingdom of God. So it says practice such things. The word there means to practice. You know, like you are practicing. So my argument to this is, who's he talking about is those who have gone so far, Christians who have gone so far to make their flesh available. So they've accepted a message that they don't have to change. They don't have to overcome the wrong desires those type of things, that they can embrace it so much that they begin to practice it, make it part of their life. They may call themselves Christians, but really they walked away from God and gave up their salvation. This is not talking about someone who's struggling with these areas and not overcoming these things. So if you have a problem with jealousy and you're trying to overcome it, you don't have to worry about you not making the kingdom of heaven if you pass away. So that is simply describing that any of these things that come out in your life that you have to deal with is because it lies within the outward body, the natural part of your soul, the natural part of your thinking. That is the source of these things, different things for different people, of course. But any battle you have is just a battle. It's a fight, and you can overcome it. This is why we're talking about transformation. You're not stuck there. But if you decide to embrace that thing and say, this is just who I am, I'm okay to do this, you can lose your salvation, give up your salvation. Instead of struggling with it, you're actually practicing it. Like someone who's trying to get better at it. You're practicing it. you made a way for it. You will walk out of your salvation, and that will be who you are at your core. And therefore, you're not a child of God anymore. So, in context, he's really talking about when you fight any of these things or the the source of any of these things is your outward man. It's not you. Remember, we're to take our body and present it as a living sacrifice. We are to take our body. This is language in the Bible. We are, me, I'm to take my body and present it as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And now in verse 22, he begins to show the other side, those who are led by the Spirit. Now, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, so this is fruit, this is not fruit of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is your helper. He'll come and help your new nature. But the fruit of your new nature is, and he goes into them, but when he says the word fruit, anytime you see the word fruit, 
you cannot get fruit from an immature fruit tree. The definition of fruit, the word fruit itself implies that there is a tree that's grown and has produced fruit. So it's not a gift. It's not a, uh, you can't get this from laying on the hands. It is a fruit that comes from the Spirit. Now, I could go back to Romans 13, where we saw put on the armor of light, put on Jesus. Well, this is what I believe is Paul saying the same thing in a different terminology to the Galatians, what he was trying to say to those in Rome, that we are to put on Christ. Where do I find Jesus? It's the new nature that we're to pull the the attributes. The new nature is complete. It's all of Jesus. And we can now take those attributes and through maturity grow to where the fruit of Christ, the armor of God, the love of God come forward and they are fruit that come effortlessly because that's what happens to fruit. It just comes. You don't have to go to your orange tree that's mature and say, come on, come on, give me some fruit. It's going to come because it's an orange tree that produces oranges. We are to be trees of God, of holiness, of righteousness that produce this fruit. And how many Christians are running around, born-again believers, I'll call them, running around, who don't show this fruit? They show some of it, but they don't show it all the time. Love is easy. Someone says the love of a a mama is as good as God's love. Well, that's kind of true, but I can tell you what, if there was an apartment on fire and I was in there as a child, my mama would come in and, and go through the flames to rescue me. Now, if you were there beside me, she'd probably rescue you too, but she wouldn't go back in to get you if you weren't in the same room. She'd get me and let your mama take care of you. Well, the love of God is, is so much more. He goes in for everyone, not just for those who are close to them. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. So this is fruit that comes forward when our new nature takes over our inner man. When the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And I remember so distinctly when the Holy Ghost said to me, is love an emotion? Is joy an emotion? Is peace an emotion? I said, yes. Where does that emotion come from? Well, it comes from the spirit. My spirit, man, has emotions. See, that's why when I'm in heaven, I have emotions. Because my inner man has spiritual intellect and has a source of emotions, just like my outward man. But the outward man is a source of emotions like an animal. It's chemically based. But the inner man's source is from the inner man, it's spirit, and it's pure. If you're born again, it's pure, because your inner man is alive, lit up by the new nature. But the fruit of the spirit, which is opposite of the, the works of the flesh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So where do I get these things? Some Christians are trying to make their flesh be love, make their flesh act in peace and joy. They're finding long-suffering in their natural emotions. They're finding gentleness and self-control within their natural man or natural standards or natural ways. But this is talking about your inner man, that you go to that to develop and to let this fruit come forward. And it's so much more than what you get in the natural. And those, verse 24, those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
So walking in the Spirit is taking our inner man that came to light, our inner body, which is connected to the outward body, and it's at war, lusting, the, the flesh is lusting against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. There's a battle going on in you and me and every believer. The inner man has to mature and grow. Where does it get the fruit from? It reaches into the new nature and pulls it forward and makes it part of its life. It is an automatic. I got saved and automatically I was not a man of peace and love and joy. I had to, through the help of the Holy Spirit, bring those attributes forward in my inner man. And then I take the love of the inner man and I dismiss the love of the outer man. I take the peace of the inner man, the fruit of peace, and I dismiss the peace that my outward man says was good enough. It's not good enough. It may be good. It's not good enough. And we are to crucify, and here's the words I want you to see, the flesh, so the flesh here is the outward body, with its passions. So your flesh has passions. When the Bible talks about your flesh, your outward man, your outward body, it's not talking about the skin and the fingers. We're not to take a knife and, and hurt ourselves. Saying, okay, God, I'm mortifying myself. We're to go into the natural soul, which is in the natural body. It's the same part. It's the same thing. See, your soul is connected to both the outward man and the inward man. And we're to take that passion, desire, plans, direction that our outward man tries to take us. Your outward man has an idea of what's going to make you happy. It'll make it happy. And it'll be contrary to the, God, the, word, the direction God gives you. And then you have a fight. Your outward man says, no, I don't want to go down that road. It doesn't make sense. Inner man says... God told me my father wants me to do this. Outward man says, no. And so you say, yes, we are going to do this. Your outward man then releases emotions of punishment to you, of worthlessness, depression, and says, if you're going to make me do this, I'm going to make you miserable. It's like when I take my kid, I say, Harrison, let's go out to eat. And he says, okay, I want to go to a burger place. And I said, no. We're going to eat healthy today. We're going to go to a vegetable place. Now, this scenario never happens, but let's pretend it did. That I took my son to a vegetable place where they only serve salad and broccoli and maybe some healthy vegetable soup. No, son, we're going to go get some healthy vegetables, salad, broccoli, and vegetable soup. I'm not going to go, yes, I drive. You're my son. You're going to come. And so I force him to come into the vegetable restaurant. And right across the street, you see the big burger sign, and he's wanting his burger. And I ordered for both of us. Two salads, two orders of broccoli. Let's bake those, make them crispy. And uh, lots of ranch dressing, probably. And let's try some of that delicious vegetable soup. And my son looks at me. He's not going to smile and go, oh, yes, Daddy, you're the best. Thank you for my broccoli. He's going to punish me. He's going to put his head down. Harrison, let's pray. No. You pray. I don't even think you're a Christian daddy for bringing me here. I don't think you're a man of God because you brought me here. He's going to punish me with his language, his emotions, his resistance. He'll close up. He'll look at me, but he won't embrace me or love me because he's upset that I forced him to go to the vegetable place. Well, that's what your natural body and emotions and your natural mind does for you when you start to follow God, it begins to punish you. 
those emotions are from your natural body. Now, we're going to keep going. We're going to just go um, Ephesians chapter 4. I'm trying to look at the time here. I don't want to over overwork you and make you feel like you're in the vegetable restaurant with me. Ephesians 4, 17. Paul's writing to this church in Ephesus. It's a different church, different culture than Galatians, different culture than Romans. But the theme is the same. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Now he's talking to born-again people, and he say, don't walk like them. Quit acting like them. As the rest of the Gentiles walk in the fatuity or vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. These are, he's saying, quit walking, talking, acting, living like the world does. They're not even born again. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, work of uncleanliness, with greediness. Because, see, if you're not born again, all of you is dark. The inner man that you have, the inner body is dark. Your nature is dark. So you have a nature that's dark, and that nature generates darkness for your inner man and darkness for your outer man. And you're one. You're complete, but you're completely dark. When you got born again, God cannot rescue your outward man. He had to leave you with an outward body, but he rescued your inner man. See, you have you are attached to your inner man. You have an inner body. You have a nature that is alive now that brought to life your inner body but left your outward body dark. Hold your finger there. We'll come back. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 10. And if Christ is in you, so if you're born again, if you have the nature of Christ in you, say amen if that's you, the body, or if I can go to Galatians, the flesh, the body is dead. Well, my body isn't dead. I can move my fingers and blink my eyes and I'm breathing still. Maybe Christ isn't in me because I'm still breathing. So he's not saying your body is dead like an animal did on, on the road. He's saying your body is dead, is dark. It's got death working in it. The old nature is left its imprint on the natural body. God did not rescue your natural body for your time on earth. Your natural body is has to be forced to submit and bow its knee to the inner man. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. See, I don't have a sin nature anymore. My body is left dead. In other words, I could not rescue, with the new nature, your outward body. It's left in darkness. It's left dead, death, because of the sin. But your spirit, this is your inner man, your inner body, the spirit that fights against the flesh. It's the same terminology. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. So I have an inner body that's alive because of Christ in me. Righteousness brought to life my inner body but left my outer body dead. So we see different wording but the same imagery. Flesh against spirit. We see body and spirit. It's the same thing, just different terminology for different groups. Verse 17. 
This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you can no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the fatuity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. So this is unsaved people. We don't preach holiness to people who are not born again. Because them being holy will not get them born again. They need to find righteousness through salvation. So we don't judge someone who isn't born again by their lifestyle. We don't tell them they need to change their lifestyle. We tell them they need to find Jesus. And with his help they can change their lifestyle. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off. So if you have to put something off, it means it's on you. This means it's not a work of you saying the sinner's prayer and receiving the new nature that all evil left you. I went to the cross at the church at the altar. I bowed my knee and I asked Jesus in my heart and all my troubles went away. I have no more sin desires, no more lust desires. I eat broccoli all day. I don't even desire hamburgers or pizza or ice cream or cheesecake. All that left, I'm holy, holy, holy man. I only eat vegetables. I don't even eat animals, just vegetables. And it's so wonderful that work that Jesus did to me instantly. I'm nice now. I went to the altar a jerk, angry, jealous and the moment I asked Jesus in my heart, I'm the sweetest man you ever met. But if you notice, that's not the testimony you hear. You hear, God changed me, but it was an instant. If indeed you've heard him and been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, verse 22, that you put off. See, where, where are we putting off? While well, you're putting off the attributes, the desires, the lust of your body. That's where they are. So when we hear body, I want you to think, the natural part of your soul, the fleshly part of your soul. That's where the thinking and the emotions that are contrary to what God told you, who you are, come from. You are not your flesh. You struggle against your flesh. That you put off concern that your formal conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. And now verse 23. And B, underline this because we're going to cover this, renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you you put on. So if we got to put something off, here it says we have to put something on. So it didn't come with you saying the Lord's Prayer, asking Jesus in your heart. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So here, if you put these three different writings together, Paul's writings to Galatia, to Romans, to Ephesus, You'll see that it's the same imagery, different terms, different cultures, but the same imagery. Put off the old man, put off the lust of the flesh, put off darkness and put on Christ, put on armor of light. You got a new nature and it brought to life your inner man. Now your inner man is like a baby. It doesn't know much, but you can teach it. You can rebuild the knowledge with spiritual truths. And you can reach into that inner man, into that new nature, and you can find that the image in there is Jesus complete, holy, and righteous. And I can begin to pull forward those attributes, 
where I take love and I make it become part of my life. And this is transformation. We'll get into that. We're not even into transformation yet. I can bring it forward and make it part of my life to where it's where I live. It's who I am. I am now love. When you see me, whether it's you're my friend or my enemy, you will find love because that's the love of God. The love that the world has is usually love for the people who are nice to you. But if you're not nice to me, I will cut you. But the love of God is nice to even the ones who are angry and hate you. You'll find there's fruit of peace, the fruit. He goes on in Ephesians, uh, just real quick in verse 8 of chapter 5. For you were once in darkness, by now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. So walk as a child who's born again. For the fruit of the Spirit, so there's fruit of the new nature that will come forward, but if you don't transform, it will stay in you but dormant. And that's why there's Christians who you can tell are people of love and joy and peace. Then there's people who are sour and angry, but they still go to church and they're still born again and they're still going to heaven because they haven't brought the light forward from their new nature as fruit in their life. One more verse. I had more, but I'll have to wait for next time. Colossians. Colossians 3. One more set of verses here. Thank you for being patient and let this word come forward. If then, verse 1, you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, you shall also appear with him in glory. Therefore, because you're born again, you're going to heaven, you have his nature in you. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. See, but I'm born again. Why do I have these things speaking to me? Because you're wearing your natural body, your natural soul, your natural mind. And until you get a new eternal body, you're going to have to deal with it and mortify it. When it says mortify, put to death, it doesn't mean you stab yourself in the eye or cut off your hand necessarily like that. It doesn't mean that. You actually do it. It doesn't mean you stab yourself in the leg and, and I hate this body. We don't hate our body. We don't hate the body. I'm thankful for my body. I want my body healthy and shiny and strong so that it can walk with me to the things of God. But I am not giving it my natural emotions, which is your body. See, your natural part of your soul is what the word calls the body. It's not just your hair. It's not your fingers. It's the natural soul and the natural brain uh, emotions that you have. And you have to put them to death. The source of why I want to fornicate, be unclean, the passion for evil desires, covetousness. Where is that source from? That's from your natural body. It didn't disappear when you're born again. But now there is a process called transformation where you can put it to death. It doesn't say here to discipline it. It doesn't say here to, to hold it back. It says to put to death. That is, that's final. That I take this desire that keeps creeping up every year and I eventually put it to death to where it no longer speaks to me. See, putting to death means you take part of those lusts that speaks to you over and over and over. And you, you fight it, you fight it, fight it, you put it down, you resist it, you deny it, and then one day you're tired 
you're lonely, you're discouraged, and then you end up embracing that lust, that sin. And then you repent, and this is a cycle many believers go through. Because you're not putting it to death, you're just denying it. You're using your own willpower. You, you cannot put to death the flesh with the flesh. You must do it with the Spirit. In other words, the strength to put to death the desires of the flesh comes from your inner man with the help of the Holy Spirit, not just by choosing. I'll never do that again. How many of us have said that? You fall and you, you give in to it, and you're like, that was so stupid of me. I'm never doing that again, never, ever, ever. I swear on my mama, I'll never do it again. And then after you're confident, you tell people, and then six months later, a year later, you do it again. Because it's the root's still there. You haven't killed it yet. And when we get into verse 2 of Romans 12, talking about transformation, you will see this beautiful path that's available for you to walk down. You go in a child of the world. You come out a child of God. You go in with the flesh of the world ruling you, the desires of your flesh ruling you, the plans of the flesh, the emotions of the flesh, the thoughts of the flesh. You come out learning and living and thinking and feeling out of the the beauty of the righteousness of Christ. We will get into that. Therefore, verse 5, Put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. The wrath is coming against the people who are not born again, not people who are struggling, the people who are not born again. But now you yourself are to put off. Now, if I have to put it off, it means I'm wearing it somewhere. Where? My inner body, my inner emotions, in my natural body, my natural emotions, my natural mind, the natural part of your soul. So I want you to see that that I have a natural part of my soul and a, a spiritual part of my soul. The spiritual part of my soul is my mind, my will, my emotions that's connected to my spiritual body. And they're still connected. They're still tied together by that silver cord. So that's why you have thoughts of anger and thoughts of peace. You have moments of love and moments of hatred. That's why you have faith and fear at the same time, because you have two sources of thoughts, two opinions about every problem. The natural man... In the natural body and the spiritual body, inner man and the outward man. And we're to put to death the thoughts and the emotions of the natural man. You don't tell me who I am anymore. But now you yourself are to put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed. I want you to see the word renewed. I'm underlining that. So the renewing is in the inner man, not the outward man. We're not trying to fix the outward man. We're trying to rebuild the knowledge of the inner man. Renew the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So the image here is the new nature. The image of him is in your new nature. That is your new nature. And it's inside of your new man, the inner body. And we can take the truth of that image and bring it forward to where it's part of our life. We bring it forward in our inner man, in our inner spiritual part of our soul, and we then use that to put to death the natural part of our soul. 
where there is neither Greek nor Jews, circumcised, uncircumcised, a barbarian, Caesarean, slave, nor free, but Christ is all in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, now we have to, again, put on, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. See, when someone does it from the natural man, they're conforming their natural body, the natural part of their soul, their natural brain, into acting like a Christian. And I've met them, you've met them, the sweetest, we had one lady, she was the sweetest, sweetest lady in the world, a single mom, and just sweet, faithful, kind, nice. We had a community kitchen, soup kitchen, and we did that, and we also did ladies, I remember it was a ladies conference, where we had a bunch of ladies come and we were feeding them. So we were working in the kitchen. And she was the sweetest lady, humblest, faithful, always available, nice, nice, nice. Love, love, love. And then we needed her to help with the kitchen. And so we placed her over the kitchen as a supervisor. The sweetest lady in the world. Humble, gentle. And once you know, someone else appeared. I mean, she got some authority. And she was telling people what to do, forcing them, angry. I mean, the report's back. You won't believe she's like a Tasmanian devil. What happened to our sweet little lady? Well, if you conform your flesh and you can show attributes of kindness and gentleness and humility, but if it's of the flesh, if that's the source of it, it'll disappear. It'll fall short. We want the source of our love, joy, peace, all these things to be from our inner man. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. So it doesn't say act kind, be kind. It says put on. Put it on. Where do I find it? From your new nature. These are the attributes of God. This is who Jesus is. And Jesus is in you, in your nature, your new nature. Now you can take Jesus, the image of Jesus, who he is in love and kindness and everything about him, and bring it forward. And your inner man, your inner part of your soul is where you have all that come forward. You develop that as fruit, and then you put to death the fake fruit that looks like it, but it's not the same. You put it to death. Bearing one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against each other, even as Christ forgave you, so you shall also do. But above all things, put on love. Where do you find the fruit of the Spirit? What's the first fruit? Love. Where do I find that love? In the new nature brought forth to your inner man. I hope I'm making sense. I'm hoping to do a fair job of painting the imagery here. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God, where do I find the peace? He said to the Galatians, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Rule in your hearts, to which you also are called in one body, and be thankful. I'm going to stop there. We're going to get into more of this in the next session. If I get to preach one series in my whole life, this is the one I want to preach. Because I believe it is what's going to help take the church out of just being good people, going to heaven, to being mighty men and women of God who stomp around this earth acting like Jesus, walking like Jesus, loving like Jesus. Because that is the power of transformation. I appreciate you. I love you. Thanks for spending time with me. God bless you.